Step into our confessional. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. From Greatest Hits Radio, Simon Mayo's Confessions. Thank you, Reverend. Hello, welcome. We gather once more to share in the shameful sins of others, <laughs> partly to offer forgiveness, helping many find absolution from the burden of their long-held sins and secrets. Channeling Derek Nimmo there. And partly right. so we can all have a laugh. <laughs> Thank you very much for downloading the Confessions podcast, already number one in every single chart All I've the seen. charts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. all of them. All mm-hmm. the charts, apart from the ones where it isn't. <laughs> Anyway, this week, there is another chance to appreciate my varied and much-talked-about linguistic talent oh, yeah. in our French confession from the crypt. Uh, je voudrais la pêche. Was <laughs> <laughs> that you falling off no, your chair? feels like I am falling off something, though, doesn't it? Yeah. There is a deeply awkward moment for all of us when producer Holly pulls rank and asserts her authority. I'm the leader. I'm in charge. I'm right. I know everything. <laughs> Wow. It didn't take a long, did it? That is, that is going to get replayed a lot. I'm the leader. I'm in charge. I'm right. I know everything. Yeah. has a bit of a beat to it, actually. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's right as well. I'm already yep. slightly scared for the future. Uh, there's more of the confessions that we simply can't actually do on the radio. We'll have a look through the parish notice board and, of course, all the confessions from the Simon Mayo Drive Time Show on Greatest Hits Radio this week, including Toby's story, I Can't Keep It In, Nobby's University Tale, Get Up, Get Out of Your Lazy Bed, Bear's Confession of Cub Scout Campfire Kerfuffles, Saved by the Bell. But before we get to those and for balance, first up, Tawny Owl's Brownie Tale, which we called Goody Two Goody Two Goody Goody Two Shoes. Simon Mayo's Confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. Father Simon, Brother Matt, Sister Holly, in the good congregation of the greatest of hits, I would like to beg forgiveness from Simon, Matt and the lovely listeners as I already know that Holly isn't going to forgive me before I even start. (laughs) The leading question happened... To be honest, it doesn't matter what the confession is, but you're probably right. Mm -hmm. The leading question happened many moons ago, about 20 years, I think. My daughter had joined our local brownies group, and like all small village voluntary platoons, they were in desperate need of adult supervisors. So I was guilt-tripped into becoming Brown Owl's helper, and I chose the usual name of Tawny Owl and gave up a good few hours every Wednesday and some weekends when there were camps to the cause. On one said camp, which happened to occur over the Easter holidays, our little group of small but disproportionately loud group of opinionated <laughs> young'uns were busily making cardboard Easter decorations. All little hands were busily making and crafting as the prize was that the winning day this is the worst prize of all time the winning decoration will be displayed in the toilet block <laughs> I have no idea right. why this seems to be a good prize but all the kiddie yeah. winks thought it was going to be amazing and they desperately wanted to win mm-hmm. now if you've ever been part of a brownie or even an older girl kind group you will know have you ever by the way I was yes I was a brownie of course were you yeah. and a sixer what's a sixer in charge Oh, no. No, I wasn't very good. (laughs) uh, You will know that there is always one child that is annoyingly perfect in every way. Mm. We had that one child in our group, and I will call her Priscilla, as her mum will hate that. 
<laughs> I, had, I had been to school with Priscilla's mum. Priscilla's mum had always been the school goody-goody. Getting head girl was never something any of us other students could aspire to as the outcome of that decision was preordained. So I already had my own beef with Priscilla's mum and now I was having to put up with the offspring on a weekly basis and I wasn't even getting paid for it either. So here we are at the camp and it's cheap and cheerful crafting session. Once it had been completed and all brownies were covered in PVA glue and cheap yellow feathers, yeah. it was quite obvious who was going to win as there was one beautiful shining example of creative handiwork amid the shambles of the others, which were not even distinguishable as being Easter-related. The inevitable had happened, and Priscilla was announced the winner, with not many partakers in the usual hip-hip hooray. The other brownies looked downtrodden and rightly fed up that once again Priscilla had won. I knew at that point I couldn't let history repeat itself. I didn't want my daughter feeling the same way that I did whenever Priscilla's mum entered anything when I was little, so I hatched my cunning plan. When all the brownies were finishing off their evening puddings, I snuck into the said toilet block where the decoration had been put in pride of place, well, just on a ledge over the hand towels, and in a fit of rage, madness and 20 years of accumulated loathing, I ripped up the cardboard decoration and wow. flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> I had a quick look, in the, quick look in the bowl to see it had gone, yeah, and I gone. jogged back into the kitchen via the back door where no one had seen me leave as there were 30 plates to wash up, and strangely enough at that time no one wanted to be in the kitchen helping me. After the brownies finished off their puddings and an hour of scary ghost stories had been given, as apparently a good scaring always seems to help the little ones settle down at night at camp. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> anyway, they all grabbed their toothpaste, toothbrushes and headed off to the toilet block. Fast forward a couple of minutes and in came a sobbing Priscilla holding what looked like a drowned feather duster, but in fact it was the resurfaced and strangely buoyant... Oh, no. Uh, yes, decoration that she'd made. They flushed it down the loo! She screamed disproportionately in floods of tears. At this point, our brown owl turned into DCI brown owl, and all brownies were questioned one by one. Where were you between the hours of 6.30 yeah. and 7? Yeah. Did you see anything suspicious? Mm. Of course, all brownies tell the truth, and none had seen or done anything. At this point, Brown Owl gave an ultimatum to all. Either someone owns up, or you will be going home tomorrow lunchtime instead of staying on an extra night and missing out on the promised disco. Which is the highlight of the trip. Uh -huh. This news was met with gasps and shouts of, No! <laughs> I kept my composure and stood shaking my head and looking let down by all the kids, although I did feel sorry for the little ones, but knew it had gone too far for me to admit that I had recently been a bit stupid. As Priscilla could not contain her woe, her mother was called and she was picked up and taken home shortly after the incident. Priscilla's mum was very upset, but also calmed down by the promise that the culprit would be found. The next morning arrived and the downtrodden brownies all looked like they had no sleep. As we were making breakfast, I say breakfast, I actually meant chucking boxes of cocoa pops and rice krispies <laughs> out on the table. One of the little brownies came up to Brown Owl asking to speak to her. They popped into the kitchen, and ten minutes later, they came back out again. The little brownie looked about a foot smaller at this point, and the brown owl then called us all together, which, if you have taken part in a brownie troop before, you will know this is basically just sticking your hand up in the air and waiting for the little ones to notice you. We were asked to make a big circle, and it was announced that the culprit had confessed, and after a severe talking to, was given, and no one else would be leaving early. It was all sorted. However, it wasn't that little brownie, 
it was me. But I don't want forgiveness from Priscilla or her mum, as I'm hoping it gave them a life lesson that the world doesn't always go their way. I don't even want forgiveness from my daughter or most of the other brownies as the incident resulted in a much more enjoyable trip and remainder of their time in brownies as Priscilla did not come back, ah. probably due to the emotional turmoil. I would just like forgiveness from that one brownie the one little girl that drew the short straw of the confessor as my daughter informed me that they'd stayed up all night playing rock, paper, scissors to determine who was going to be the scapegoat and confess so that they all didn't miss the promised disco, which, of course, uh, was going to be the highlight. Well, I feel fairly certain there's going to be harsh words. Already I can see. <laughs> it's, it's really harsh quite words. shocking. Um... I understand, Torniel, that you had some beef with Priscilla's mum, but did you really have to take that out on the poor child? Well, no one think of the children. <laughs> this little child had done this lovely decoration. It's not, it's not her fault that she was just quite good and she was just perfect in every way and she did really well, made this lovely decoration and you flushed it down the loo? Yes. That's so extreme. And then, for the fact that you stood there as if as a sort of member of authority, being like, oh, yeah, aren't you all dreadful? One of you flushed it down and that was you and the little brownie took the rap that poor little girl it honestly is so bad it's a catalogue of errors and I'm not going to forgive I'm at all uh, brother from another gutter. Well, I would say Apple didn't fall too far from the tree, did it, Priscilla? It turns out Priscilla and Priscilla's mum both equally annoying, and Priscilla didn't ever come back to Brownies, so everyone won from that because Priscilla didn't come back, she didn't want to come back anyway, and everyone else was perfectly happy with Brownies without Priscilla. Also, who knew that the cardboard thing was going to come back from the toilet? I didn't. I thought it was gone. It turns out it wasn't. It was stuck in the U-Bend and made a reappearance. And also a bit of courage shown by the... Uh, by the mini brownie. So, uh, I, for that reason, because we all learned a life lesson, Did we? and brownies was better for no. the for, for, for after this, uh, I'm going to forgive. Simon Mayo's Confessions. So, just to be clear, Matt, what are the life lessons that we've got? From well, obviously, we don't flush everything down the loo. I, I had expected that the that it would have gone. I'll be honest. Um, and it turned out it didn't. It turns out uh, that the U-Bend wasn't able to cope with, uh, with that, the amount of stuff going down. Well, you so. shouldn't do that kind of thing. No, you definitely no. shouldn't, kids. Don't go don't go flushing that down the loop. But she wasn't a child. She was an adult doing no, this true. to a child. That's, that's so also true, really yes. quite poor. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there was some support for... Holly's strong position amongst the people's verdict on this one. Not forgiven, says Johnny and Talkie. Brutal. I have to agree with Holly on this one. You can't let a little child take the fall. But Jane, now age 61, says yes. forgiven, but mainly because I've not forgotten about my brown owls, twin daughters in my pack. They got to do everything, and the rest of us were never chosen for special occasions, and I never carried a flag. And you can tell it still burns deep. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I suspect... Cubs and brownies and scouts, a very rich area for confessions. You know where to send yours if you have one. Well, some fantastic church bells added in there by producer Gareth. Uh, it means it's time uh, to look through the bits and pieces on the parish notice board which you've been sending in. Uh, we're going to start with the reviews of last week's service. And uh, as ever, we are only interested in five-star reviews, and those are the only ones that will be read out. So, five-star review from, well, collection of consonants here, uh, who says, uh, The gold standard is back. I love this and have waited years in the decaying wilderness of podcast wannabes. Thanks for all the sun and humour. Marvellous. Uh, magnificent accompaniment to the daily dog walk, says another. Plastic Great. taff. 
Plastic Taff says, Great to hear the team enjoying themselves. I've been a fan of Matt's magnificent work since his Radio Rammer days. Oh, what? my goodness. What are they? That's student that? radio. Whoa. Student radio, yeah. Oh, Rammer. Radio Rammer. It was at uh, University of Bradford. Yes. And uh, I did uh, a number of roles on that station. Uh, one of them, news editor. Very good. Uh, another one was uh, presenter. Um, but, uh, yes. Uh, so Plastic Plastic Taff has been following Plastic Taff, wow. yes, my, my guess is. Uh, he says, makes the job of picking up dog poo far more bearable, which is nice. And finally, and I've no idea how this one got through, but my heart is so full of joy. I cannot describe the absolute joy I felt when I saw this podcast back in my R-Tunes library with new episodes. My joy was only increased when I realised it's back with weekly episodes and show favourite brother Matt, who is absolutely my type of person. I always agree with him and forgive oh. almost everyone. <laughs> Confessions is the absolute pinnacle of podcasts. Please don't go. Don't go away. Can I just say, before um, Holly picks up, you should know that Matt refu- should wear glasses, but he refuses to wear them because he's vain. Vanity. So, therefore, that was the reason why he missed out Plastic Taff and also the fact that that last comment came from someone who looks to be called Melch Peaks, but it's written in such small letters that you can't There's read There's no them. way I would have been able to read that, no. So happy uh, to help. Yeah, <laughs> thanks thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to mention, following on from the last episode, I've also got a couple of reviews to share. Share away. Fiona says, I was inspired after listening to the Confessions podcast on Saturday morning and immediately added Butterscotch Angel oh, Delight yes. to the online shop. Good. Wow, what a trip down memory lane. The yummy, smooth texture took me straight back to growing up with my nan's Sunday dinners. Are they well, still going? They're so Angel Delight yes. is still going, is I, it? Yes, I yeah. believe did, so. Did you try it with stewed apple? No. She didn't say that, no, so I'm going to say no. You literally can't buy a stewed apple. Who, you can buy apples and stew them. You though. can, yeah, you can stew Wouldn't the apples. Wouldn't that ruin the Angel Delight, surely? No, no it adds. You have a, what you do is you put a layer of the stewed apple at the bottom of the... Uh, Receptacle, <laughs> the bowl. The bowl. That's what it's called. <laughs> and then the angel delight on top. And then so your first couple of spoonfuls of angel delight are okay. great. They're great. And then, and then uh, when the awful feeling, the, that that the, the fruit is there. What the tartiness? What the tartiness is what you're after. You're after a little tarty apple. <laughs> a bit of a t- that cuts through the glutinous. Angel Delight uh, to provide a perfect combination in your mouth. Mm, I'm not so no. sure. Uh, Mouthfeel <laughs> is what it's called. Mouthfeel. Is it really? Very good. And uh, Robin Portsmouth said, loving the reminder of Angel Delight on the Confessions yes. podcast, but who's going to tell Simon the bad news that Timothy White's closed its doors in 1985? I, I know that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, that was the joke. Yeah, were bought by Boots. And yeah. it, I've never heard of them. Closed ten years before you Uh, Timothy White's are used as a comedy chemist in Dad's Army. Oh, really? I've just been to Timothy White's. So you want an outdated chemist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you do. Brilliant, love it. Before they were swallowed up by boots. I'm not saying it's We're not making any uh, Um, verdict on boots. Okay, Chris says, loving the new podcast, not sure I had to contribute to the parish notice board, so I thought this might be the best option. Sister Holly going off on one about the Cubs and Brownies brought and boy did that take everybody by yes, surprise did, where did it? that yeah, come from yeah, yeah. brought tears to my eyes hoping that makes this week's podcast and had me thinking back to my sister who was convinced for several months that her brownie leader was called brown ale 
No! <laughs> Not Brown Owl. If only she had been from Newcastle. Aww. Anyway, keep up the great work in getting us home with a smile on our faces, says Chris. So, Hammy says, Hi, Simon and the team. A confession from the past that I would love to hear again was one where a husband was getting a towel out and got a wasp sting on his... Mr. Happy. Ding dong. Mm -hmm. And the story of his wife taking him to hospital had me in stitches. Mr. Happy versus the wasp, I think it was called. It was called Cheers that. and keep up the good work. I do remember that one. It was in the airing cupboard. That's yes, remember, that's yeah. right. It was. It, yes, that's right. And it landed on the Mr. Happy yes. and uh, then had to be uh, flicked away, mm -hmm. um, uh, as I recall. Yes. This is another one of the confessions which we don't own. <laughs> no. so we can can't... talk about them, though. So, yeah, so we can talk about it. But it was always in the way it was written. But when the wasp landed on Mr. Happy, what what is there to do? And I, I But I would have said, don't flick the towel, because... No. It could have made the wasp very, very angry. Yeah, and you don't, then, not, don't anger the wasp. Not in, not in those circumstances. Nope. No. Jean says, I've got to say, I'm becoming a little obsessed with the Confessions podcast and have even been delving into listening to old confessions. This is a, a, a recent discovery on my behalf, so uh, I have to be very careful when choosing when to listen to the confessions. You see, I have a very serious job, which does require me to keep a straight face regardless of what is going on. So hearing something funny before immediately going to work is perhaps not the best idea. So this week I've been listening to the various podcasts whilst getting ready for the school run in the mornings, which certainly have given me a good laugh to start the serious day that lies ahead. My son's 15, almost 16, often wonders why I'm chuckling to myself, and this morning was no different. I had stumbled across the confession relaying the tale of Peter's Bridge in Cornwall and the Troll, oh, yeah. which I think we referred to yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Needless to say, I played it once again to my son. Whilst I found it absolutely hysterical, he didn't see the funny side of it at all. Maybe I have bred an ally for Holly. Well, that <laughs> could be said to be true. Whilst I'm in the business of preaching forgiveness, I actually haven't heard any confessions yet that I wouldn't graciously forgive. I'm imagining Gene is a priest... Jean doesn't say so, but that's what I—that's what I'm. It's, it's something. It's a very serious job where she has to keep a straight face. Or an so, undertaker. Yes. undertaker, and she's forgiving everyone. That yeah. sounds like yeah. she's a in holy orders. Mm. Mm. Um, Alice Perry says, "So pleased to see the podcast back. What a laugh! I listened to all the episodes previously and delighted to have you back. Please, could I request a confession from the crypt? The one where the lady goes for a night out and returns home but doesn't have her keys, so oh, yes. she tries to climb over the fence and then gets stuck in the cat." flap and eventually calls the emergency services to release her. I'm even giggling to myself as I remember this. Keep up the good work. Oh, that is definitely no. a favourite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Claire says I would love to request the resurrection of the young guy who was left in charge to open the swimming pool, arrive late and didn't put the heating on, leading to a poor old guy having a refreshing dip. No, I don't think that's good enough really. But anyway, peace be with you, <laughs> says Claire. No. Clearly. Uh, Alec Penn, it's great to have the Confessions podcast back. My work pattern only lets me hear one per week live, so this gives me a laugh on the train, just like old times. A previous confession I still laugh about is the bowler hat saga. I don't remember this one. This was about uh, from the 60s when a colleague in a firm got promoted into a management position requiring him to wear a bowler hat, which he duly bought. His old work team clubbed together and bought another one, one size larger and kept swapping it, making their old friend think that his head <laughs> kept swelling and shrinking. Oh, I, I do remember that. Do you? Yes. I, I hope you can add this to your podcast now. I wait with bated anticipation to be able to hear it again. Uh, please uh, get in touch and tell us stuff. Uh, confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Everyone is, uh, is read. 
they don't all make it on. They no. are all red, and that's the filtering process. Mm. Because Holly and also Gareth, who is very, very humble and won't appear on the podcast. No, no. no. Uh, he just sends messages via semaphore and that kind of thing. <laughs> and that kind of thing. Uh, but they, they are all red. That's the first filter. Then they're passed on to me. That's the way it works. Quick mentions to Karen Innes... Kate Pearson, John Eiley, Jim B, Spider Blue and Norman Kelly who are amongst those who tweeted the secret code phrase from last week which was knackers, which is not a phrase really so that's a code word and the code word was knackers and um, if you didn't hear last week so that will not sound rather normal, will it really? So we'll, we'll come up with uh, a new one for you uh, at the end of this particular episode. <laughs> So we move on now to the uh, sleazy and grubby part uh, of the podcast, the file mark not for broadcast. These are the confessions that get caught between the red tape and bureaucracy of the broadcast rules. It means we can't use them on the radio for one reason or another. Uh, but with a little censorship for taste and decency, they do find a home here on this podcast. For example, Monica and her accomplices whose attempt at revenge on one chauvinistic housemate backfired when they baked him in a chilli con when Baked him! <laughs> <laughs> baked him in a chilli con carne. They baked him a chilli con carne containing a popular brand of meaty chunks for man's best friend. Uh. They sat nervously waiting for a reaction as he ate, only for him to polish it all off and declare it one of the best chilies I've ever had. In the end, they had to spell it out, but we made it with dog food. Oh, right. Oh, I definitely would not have read that out. Out, no, so, no. Because no. It's, it's not nice and no. it will just provoke more people sending in, yes, we fed our, yes. our little child. Also, right. backfires, if you've got to tell them that it's dog food, then that completely negates the point of the prank, really, I suppose it? you might get a kind of a spontaneous vom moment. Uh, yes. But, uh, <laughs> still, no. Uh, Danielle, uh, we're not doing yours either. You deeply disapproved of her friend's extramarital transgressions with a work colleague and decided to take action. So she printed out some of the saucy text messages her friend had shared and discreetly posted them to her husband's office, not realising that it would be the office admin assistant that opened the mail, resulting in absolutely everyone at his work getting an eyeful and finding out what his wife was up to before him. And that's the kind of thing we would yes. definitely not approve no. of. No. No no no, 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 no. Anyway, so don't send those in. Send in jolly ones that we can use on the radio. Please. They can be shocking and all that kind of thing. Absolutely. But uh, taste and decency. Confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Back to the confessions of this week, the ones that did make the cut. Next, Nobby's University Tale. Get up, get out of your lazy bed. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Uh, today's comes from Nobby. Nobby, thanks very much for this confession. Please don't copy any of the behaviour you're about to ah, hear. Right. Father Simon, Brother Matt, forgiving soul, and Sister Susie. Sorry. It's fine, Sorry, I'll Holly. take it. <laughs> and the occasional visiting clergy. The following confession I have lived with the guilt for over 45 years, but the time has come for me to unburden myself and ask for forgiveness. Back in the late 70s, I was being teacher-trained in the sunny, sandy, beached oasis of Exmouth, Devon. Mm -hmm. Assembled from all parts of the UK, we were all gathered into halls of residence for our first year. As it was different times, all the chaps were ensconced in a single hall of residence which was called Dunzinane. It was now demolished, which no doubt we contributed to by playing cricket against the wall and the ceiling, causing cracks and all kinds of other damage. 
We all got on famously, but the key players in important roles in this story were... Myself, drama student, says Nobby. Okay. Always your favourite. Yeah, yeah. Tom, the brains, with an irritating habit of appearing to do not a stroke of work, but get A's anyway. Steve, mischievous little rascal, forever getting us into scrapes for the local populace. Phil, kind, caring sort, best buddy at the time. Pete, key ringleader with an uncanny knack of becoming invisible when things got tricky. And Simon, who was involved in almost everything by giggling throughout. So now you know the cast, and probably by about halfway through the year, I had got into the pleasant routine of needing to, shall we say, study extremely hard on Friday and Saturday night. This became more onerous for me when I was... I became elected to the student council, which meant I was compelled to study after the weekly Tuesday meeting, mostly in the bar. Oh, I see. The toll of this intense study began to take effect until I hit upon the weekly habit of a big sleep. The stretches of deep, comatose shut-eye could last up to 16 hours. After this, I would wake refreshed and raring to go for the Tuesday to Friday to Saturday cycle all over again. It's like a hibernation. 16 Mm, hours? 16 hours. I've never slept for 16 hours in my entire life. On one such mega slumber, I became aware of a gathering presence in my room. Have to say this was a common occurrence for us as all the locks had been broken by earlier misdeeds. I heard Steve say to Pete, No one can sleep that long. Then, worryingly, Tom started to whisper to the others and then Simon started to giggle and then Phil said, It won't hurt him, will it? (laughs) Oh dear There was no answer but there was more giggling I then sensed that they were moving around the bed Silently Tom obviously organising the manoeuvre What happened next was very neatly done And slickly coordinated In a single movement my bed was raised Flipped and slammed against the wall There was a satisfying Thwap as it made initial contact In a truly comedic moment I and the bed slid down the wall And came to rest once more on the floor. Due to the comfy mattresses of our hall of residence, I was completely unharmed. But they didn't know that. As a drama student, I was used to improvisation and coming up with what I think here is one of my better performances. I decided to play dead. Oh. Oh. The chap's instant response at this was to burst out laughing at the brilliant success of their prank. After a while, a few comments were made. He, he's not woken up yet. He's pretending no one could sleep through that, and they carried on laughing. And then Phil said, Do you think he's all right? Of course he is, was the reply. Phil continued, because we could have knocked him out. I think he's unconscious. As a result, I was prodded, tickled, and kicked. My method acting, resisting all actions, I stayed in role. It was an inspirational character assessment by me. My mouth was open, I was lifeless. Have we... um, have we, maybe, you know, maybe, have we accidentally killed him? <laughs> have we accidentally what? killed him? A few <laughs> words were spoken which Holly would need an explanation for, and then smelling salts, whatever they are. Then I heard, <laughs> we're going to get kicked out. I just know it. <laughs> yeah. My dad's going to go mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe it's the fact that you just killed someone. Maybe yeah. is the point. Phil then added to my worry, saying, I think he's using his scouting first aid knowledge here. We need to free his tongue. He might swallow it. Others said, I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Phil made his move and he put his finger into my mouth to loosen my tongue. My spontaneous reaction was, of course, 
to bite his finger very hard. Phil screamed, and this time everybody laughed, including me. Ah. There was no long-term damage, and we all laughed again. Hurrah for student <laughs> pranks. And for drama students. Over yeah. the years, weddings, reunions, for some tenuous reason, old college stories are recalled, and the above yarn often crops up and is remembered fondly. To my shame, whenever it crops up, I tend to laugh the most. But to this day, I've never apologised to Phil for my response to his good deed because he was trying to make sure I was all right after slamming me against the wall. I therefore ask for his forgiveness. An added point of interest for the listeners to determine future career pathways. In the intervening years, the bed-flipping group provided society with one Baptist minister, two head teachers, and three deputy heads. Ah. Actually, this has been tried before, hasn't it? I yeah. think. People say, by the way, they all went on to be Archbishops of Canterbury. Yes. yes. Um, anyway, Nobby uh, would like some forgiveness. Nobby, the drama student. So, uh, what do you? I don't. Ooh. I don't think Matt ever forgives a drama student. But anyway, uh, Sister Holly. Well, the thing is, I hate pranks, as we all know, but you are actually the victim of the prank here. You weren't actually, you know, doing the prank. You were, you were the victim, and you obviously pretended you were dead, which sounds mildly funny. It, it could have been a bad one. It could have been a bad one, but ultimately you all laughed at the end and I yes. think they kind of deserved it. I would have been also very, very upset if someone had done that whilst I was having my 14-hour sleep or 16-hour sleep. I would have been very upset about that. And so I think actually today You're I'm going to forgive this miracles one. Miracles can happen. Uh, now, this is a drama student, remember It is that? a drama student. <laughs> no, I don't know if roles <laughs> are going to be reversed. Let's but... not forget that. But, uh, but first of all, I would take issue with this big sleep. If he could hear everything that was going on, Effectively, all he was just lying down with his eyes closed. That's not a big sleep. That's just lying down. They woke him up, I think. I, yes. I, well, mm. well, I, I, I don't think they had. Uh, but, but I am going to forgive because, as Holly has pointed out, he managed to turn it, turn the tables on them, so that they were panicking and wondering whether they'd accidentally killed someone. Uh, so, uh, yes, and and he was able to use his drama training for for, for good, which is literally the first time that has ever happened in history, <laughs> ever. Um, so, for that reason, I'm going to forgive. Where did your dislike, um, some would express it more strongly, your hatred <laughs> of drama and drama students? Drama students, from? the and it, uh, I, I should include art students in that as well. It's, uh, the, the feeling that uh, somebody is doing something that I think uh, doesn't have any empirical uh, assessment at the end of it. That's what I'm. That's what I'm basically saying. Is it art? I don't know. I've decided it is art. Is it drama? I don't know. I've decided. So when it is you go drama. and see a play, because you go and see plays in yes. London's teeming West End. <laughs> yes, I do. Does it occur to you that some of them, the, the people that you're applauding and thinking, "My, that was a jolly good show." Yeah. That they actually went to drama I'm sure, school. I'm sure they did. They I'm sure. I'm students. sure, but it's more the... I mean, they're basically reading out other people's words, aren't they? So, you know, the, the ones that can do that well, good luck to them. <laughs> um, but, uh, yes, drama students, what's that about? Okay. Well, well, we'll leave it there. I suspect there's, there's more <laughs> prejudice to come. Uh, still to come on this particular Confessions podcast, we're off to a Cub Scout camp with Bear's Confession Saved by the Bell. Before we get to that, it's Toby's Tale. I can't keep it in. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Here is today's tale from Toby. Can we just say also this is, um, if you're eating or, or sensitive in some way, then you might find today's episode mildly off-putting. Yeah. But only mildly. Sounds good. Father Simon, my name is Mike. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not not Toby then. Toby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the first thing. Didn't Toby. last long, did it? <laughs> so my name is Toby. No, my name is Mike. Let's stick with Mike. Let's stick with Mike. Hello, Mike. All right. My confession relates to something I did twenty odd years ago when I worked as a race mechanic for a historic racing car team. The name of the racing team I cannot mention because the company still does work for people I know. The team and cars had set off for a weekend's racing at Spa Francorchamps. Oh, of course. In race Belgium. circuit in Belgium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you, yeah have very you been famous. There? Yeah, yeah. Very good. Anyway, it's in Belgium and it's a very famous race. Yes, it is. Uh, on a Wednesday to set up all the equipment. I had stayed behind at the workshop along with two other employees to carry on getting the other race cars ready for the following event. On the Friday during free practice, one of the rare racing cars had developed a problem with the alternator and the only spare was on a car back in the workshop based in Staffordshire. So Friday afternoon, the owner of the race car team called me and said, get the alternator off the car in the workshop, get it to Calais and I will get someone to meet you at the port of Calais. <laughs> Quite why he okay. added port of Calais when he'd already said Calais, said Calais. once ordinarily. Yeah, no need. But my message and instructions were clear. So I now called my wife and explained I was delivering the alternator to Calais to drop it off. You'd better get paid double time for this, she said. We were going out with some friends that Friday night. Sorry, she's sounding like the Virgin from Dad's Army. <laughs> she is. <laughs> as you, as you can imagine, she was not very impressed. She got my passport, some food and a flask ready as it would be very late by the time I got back home. Now, we only had one car at home, so instead I took the company's large van, collecting my passport and goodie bag from home, still wearing my work clothes that smelt of gearbox oil. The alternator, by the way, was small and about the size of your hand. This is not really relevant, however, it's an added bit of colour. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Bonus. Typically, the Friday's rush hour was a nightmare, and I had already started eating from my goodie bag, which contained a ham and cheese roll crisps and a curly whirly plus Oof. I was drinking from the flask there's a little period detail there yeah. curly whirly was curly whirly everyone <laughs> chocolate oh, yeah. it's, it's in the next paragraph that you'll realise where we're heading I joined the M25 car park and my bladder was telling me oh, that it needed emptying okay. I soldiered on to the point where I managed to get onto the slow lane and next to a large heavy goods vehicle thankfully traffic had stopped so it's okay Perfect, I thought. Nobody will see me. I looked around the inside of the van for a container or something to release the pressure. The only thing I found was a pair of Wellington boots <laughs> that belonged to the team boss. I was desperate at this point. I had no choice, absolutely no choice, but to use one of his Wellington boots. Well, oh. what a relief. <laughs> oh, dear. I could hear my bladder thanking me. No, you couldn't, Mike. Uh. Anyway... <laughs> anyway, it sloshed around a bit, but I put it, wedged the Wellington boots safely in the stairwell, as I called it. In a footwell? Yeah. I call it the stairwell. <laughs> How big's this van? It's so tall. It's a huge van. Wow. <laughs> several stories high. <laughs> it's a double decker. Thankfully, the traffic was moving again and I made my way to the Dover Border Control. It was dark and in the early hours by the time I arrived in Calais, the French Customs stopped me, looked at the documents, asking what I was transporting. I showed them the little alternator. They both looked at each other, asking why I was in a big van and by the look on their faces, who is this English man who has a strange aroma? Mm. I, fortunately, I don't have to use any French accents here. I met up with my work colleague, 
let's call him Matt, and handed him the alternator and emptying the half-filled boot and I told him about my journey, at which point we both burst out laughing. So off he went to the spa racing circuit and I turned round and went straight back to the customs guy who wanted to know why I'd arrived in a van and only spent 20 minutes in France and this time the works van had a proper search but eventually I was on my way home. I suppose it was suspicious activity, really. Now, in retrospect... I should have cleaned the boot or at least dried it a bit, disinfected it maybe, but I absolutely didn't. It was two weeks later that the boss walked into the workshop wearing the stinky Wellington boots. Obviously all the staff had heard what had gone on and all of them could not contain themselves. (laughs) Laughter filled the workshop. Our boss was going... What's so funny? They're just Wellington boots. <laughs> However, I seek forgiveness not to my then boss, who had stinky boots and stinky socks for a while, but to the two French customs officers for the confusion about my 20-minute trip and having questions made and searched rather a smelly van and a smelly man, which is doesn't make a lot of sense. Fair but enough. anyway, I think what he needs is forgiveness, really. Although he doesn't think he needs forgiveness, he needs forgiveness from his boss, who's a very important person, and, and obviously his feet and socks smelt inappropriately and I can tell by the way uh, Holly has her face screwed up that this is going to be rough it, it, it's just really really gross to be honest going in a Wellington boot Ooh, was there, could well, you what not... are you supposed to do isn't it really don't sometimes people pull over on the hard shoulder can't, I mean I don't think I mean that's not yeah. allowed but I, I, you've just got to hold it I'm afraid I just think it's not very good I, I'm not impressed a Wellington boot is not the right receptacle for that uh, so no I'm not forgiving at all brother from another gut. I can't think of a better receptacle than a Wellington boot. I'm thinking about carrying Wellington boots in my car from now on. Because, I mean, they're waterproof, aren't they? They're waterproof. Also, it's not as if you're going to be eating anything out of your boots. Yeah, but you're going to wear just, them. You know, you're going to be wearing them, but you're going to be wearing socks. But they hold so then, much. Exactly, and they hold so much. This is such a great idea. What a what a fad you've started with the Wellington boots. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely going to forgive. Because And also, it was the boss's Wellington boot. If it turned out to be someone else's, it wouldn't be this funny. But it was the boss's, so it's all fine. So definitely forgive me. Simon Mayo's Confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. Today's confession comes from Bear, as in grills. Ah. Thanks, Bear. Uh, Dear Simon and the Unforgiving Collective and the Always Forgiving Matt. Correct. My confession goes back to 1973. As a 10-year-old growing up in West Yorkshire, I was reaching the end of my time in the Cub Scouts, having reached the dizzy heights of Black Sixer, in charge of a pack of seven wide-eyed younger cubs who all enjoyed the usual cub activities of map reading, mastering knots, British Bulldog, different times. <laughs> At that British Bulldog was a game where... Uh, half of the crowd go to one end of the room, mm-hmm. the other half go to the other end of the room, and then they charge each other. What, like a sort of mosh pit? Like a fight. <laughs> just a fight. And also, we learned firefighting techniques, just to name a few of the things wow. that we got up wow. to. At our regular weekly pack meeting, our Kayla, the cub leader, announced that we were to go on a camping trip with a few other local cub packs. As you can imagine, we were very, very, very excited. The day arrived of the trip and we all boarded the coach heavily laden with oversized haversacks that our mum had packed. They contained sleeping bag, enough clothes for six months, eight, <laughs> yes. eight, eight dozen sandwiches, a crate of pop, which is an old reference for fizzy drinks, <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. pack of plasters and newly purchased horrendous plastic waterproofs. 
We drove for what we thought was a million miles. In reality, it was just the other side of Bradford and eventually reached the woods where we would be staying. There were far more people than I'd imagined with lines and lines of dirty white tents, a toilet shower block and a large circular area with tree trunk benches surrounding a campfire area. As a 10-year-old, this was very, 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 very exciting and I relished my role as Black Sixer, leading my pack of even more wide-eyed cubs to our designated tent where we unpacked and then joined all of the other cubs in the central area for the briefing of the day's events. It was all bliss. We built shelters out of branches and bracken, foraged for mushrooms, swung through trees on an assault course and generally got wet and muddy, but we were very happy. The day ended with everyone gathered around the campfire that we'd proudly been tasked with starting, eating beans and sausages and singing the obligatory ging-gang-gooly-gooly-gooly-gooly-watcher-ging-gang-goo. Yeah, of course. Ging-gang-goo, yes. which is a Cub Scout song right. from back in the day. Okay. <laughs> After the Lord's Prayer and the grand howl of our Kayla, mm-hmm. we'll do our best, is what you shouted. We were all told that we must be up and ready for the next day by 7am sharpish. With that, we retired to our tents. Now, I didn't have a watch, and obviously I didn't have a phone, but our Kayla had told me that it was 10pm. I felt an enormous amount of responsibility as the sixer to ensure that we didn't sleep in and let our troop down. I came up with a foolproof plan. I'd noticed that there was a nearby church. I'd listen out for the hourly chimes, knowing that after nine chimes it would be 7am. We were all a bit giddy in the tent with all the fresh air, physical activities, fizzy pop on the coach, and we were literally full of beans. I'm not <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually everyone settled down and I started to listen out for the chimes. Bong. It's 11pm. <laughs> Passing time. Long midnight. So it continued. I counted the eighth chime, 6 a.m. Still wanting to make a good impression, I waited for a while and then proceeded to wake up all of my troops. Come on, guys, I said it's about 6.15, so we all need to make our way to the shower block and get ready. We'll be the best troop at camp. Be ready for anything. We'll be first. I continued whilst gathering all of my things and leading the troop to the shower block. I made sure they all washed properly and even inspected their uniforms, even straightening a few woggles to ensure that we were smartly presented. As we marched out of the shower block, we were met by our Kayla. The look on his face was one of astonishment and bewilderment. What on earth are you doing, boys? He said in a sleepy, broken voice. Troop ready for inspection, Arkayla, I proudly announced, (laughs) while slightly pushing out my chest and saluting proudly. But, (laughs) said Arkayla, it's a quarter past two in the morning. (laughs) No, no, I replied. I counted the church chimes each hour. I make it quarter past six, I said, confidently. A little late there with the orchestra. (laughs) Now beginning to smirk a little, Arkayla leant over and said, the church clock chimes every half hour. Ah. I can assure you it's a quarter past two in the morning. Now get back to your tent. Fortunately, the ground didn't open up and swallow me. I had to trudge back to the tent with Arkayla laughing as he walked away and my troop mumbling and disgruntled behind me. (laughs) It is at this point, Father Simon, I seek forgiveness, not for getting my troop up so early that we could hardly stay awake the next day, nor for the embarrassment it caused. No, I seek forgiveness from my mother, who spent our 
hard-earned money on a new set of plastic waterproofs. The same waterproofs I hated so much, I accidentally burnt them to a cinder <laughs> when I used them to help start the campfire that evening. Wow. <laughs> I hope you can see your way to forgive oh, me as this yeah. has preyed on my mind for the last 50 years. And to this day, Mum still thinks the waterproofs were stolen by badgers. <laughs> what? Well, I had to think of something, didn't I? Yours, hopefully, Bear Grylls waterproofs. See, I couldn't actually give the full uh, no, Bear Grylls no. thing because mm. I would yeah, have spoiled yeah, yeah. the punchline. So, <clears throat> shocking timekeeping and the burning of waterproofs, Sister Holly. Well, of course, we started with brownies on Monday, wasn't it? Yes. And we've got Cub Scouts today. Just to balance it all out. Uh, just mm-hmm. to, yeah, exactly. I, I have to say, it, it really wasn't fantastic, that whole thing. It ended particularly badly, burning your waterproofs. I know they're not very stylish, but they're practical. And your mum paid a lot of money for them, and you burn them on the campfire, what and a, then you said... Must have been st- the, stank the badgers stole them? What? What? How's that? That's not a believable story at all. Uh, also, this is... I I couldn't stand brownies. I hate the people who do Cub Scouts. They're just really outdoorsy. Oh, oh, taking the goodness. lead. No, no, no. Because this is just classic behaviour, isn't it? I'm the leader. I'm in charge. Oh, Everyone dear. get up. I'm right. I know everything. Well, you weren't right, Bear, and you got it all Thank wrong. You. And so that's why I'm not going to forgive, because it was the arrogance that you got everyone up and and it was all completely wrong and you shouldn't have done it. He was 10. I know, but he was just, it was too confident, wasn't he? I think you've he? lost a large constituency. <laughs> <laughs> seen another side tonight. Yes, I Holly. think s- something bad happened back in the day. I was going to say so. Uh, brother from another guy. Um, I'm going to probably argue that uh, keeping time by listening out for the for the church bells is not foolproof. Not a foolproof way of being able to tell the time uh, unless they've got bongs with them and there were clearly no bongs on this. Um, so I'm 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 going to forgive mainly because the reason he's obviously starting the fire with his waterproofs is he didn't have any sleep. The man was sleep starved, and that was why he didn't know what he was doing. And for with that the, reason, and for that reason, <laughs> because we ran out of time, I'm going to forgive. I mean, we, you've come up with some rubbish before. <laughs> yes, but yes. Ten-year-olds setting fire to their own clothes on a campfire. Yet still get forgiven. Yeah, they do get forgiven. I, I, and I would stand by that. He, he hadn't had any sleep, had he? So More to the point, actually, now I come to think about it. Holly, how do you think brownies and cubs should be run? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it's a very good idea to put children in charge of it's other children. Very, it's run very well for many, many decades. <laughs> no, but and well, yet it didn't, somehow your it didn't, experience... It didn't work out well for Bear, though, did it? Because he got them all up at two o'clock in the morning well, and it right all went wrong. It didn't work out for you. <laughs> and so, therefore, you've carried this prejudice for the rest of your life. Perhaps. Were you overlooked? <laughs> I think you were. Uh, anyway, um, let's resurrect another classic from the crypt. This week, at the request of Ross Hemmings uh, in Trowbridge. Father Simon, it's so brilliant to have all of you back on the podcast, particularly love hearing some of the old confessions again, but I really think we need more accents, please. So if producer Holly can find it, I remember you doing a confession that had me doubling up with laughter about a guy who overplayed his French language GCSE in a job interview at a fish market and came unstuck when he tried his best to style it out with the inevitable consequences. Well, you're absolutely right, Ross in Trowbridge, not Trowbridge. Uh, it's a corker. So this one is going back a good few years. Transcoded this very morning from Ampex DAT tape. That's because that's what we've got lots of. This is PJ's confession, which we called at the time rather clumsily now. I look at it. Voulez-vous confesser avec moi ce soir? Something to confess? 
Simon Mayo's Confessions. Uh, Dear Father Simon, the Forgiving Collective, seeing the revival of this feature has brought to mind the following story. From my dim and distant past, this is also a great excuse for Simon to practice his superb French accent, which always (laughs) goes down well with Brother Matthew. The year, the the year is 1996. The location, the glorious city of Hull. I graduated from Hull University that summer, but had a number of friends who had been studying American studies and had spent their third year studying in the U.S. of A. So still hadn't, uh, so still had a final year to complete. So with this in mind and trying to pretend the real world didn't exist. I decided to stay on in Hull and try to find some gainful employment to enable my student lifestyle of cheap beer and late nights to continue. (laughs) After a few months of searching, I found a role doing telephone sales of fish for a local fish merchant. This is quite a big enterprise in Hull and had a number of continental clients. One of the requirements for the job was, and I quote, a good level of conversational French. Well, Simon, I had a C in the GCSE French from five years earlier, and despite not having spoken a word of the language since, decided to tick this box on the application form. Yeah. (laughs) As we all would have done. This again came up in the interview. Yes, yes, absolutely not a problem. Yes, yes. Had a problem, I said. (laughs) I was offered the job and accepted, putting the language issue to the back of my mind. After all, the overseas sales team had two fluent French speakers who dealt with all those pesky continental clients. I mean, how likely was it that it would become an issue? Well, fast forward three months to the Easter holiday period. One of the aforementioned sales team was on leave, but the other was covering the client relationships. However, one morning I strolled into work, a little delicate after the previous night's exertions at the Tower nightclub, and was met by a concerned sales manager. Sarah had called in sick that morning and there was no one to cover the French sales team, and a large order was due to be placed that day with one of the biggest clients. (laughs) He knew I hadn't dealt with them before, seeing as I could speak French, though, could I handle the call that day? A cold sweat formed on my head and I started to panic. Clearly, the obvious thing to do now was to fess up and take the relevant punishment. But that could mean losing my job and my flat and my nights out with my American studies colleagues. Sure, no problem, I said. He offered me his office uh, so I could take the call in peace and quiet, which I gladly accepted. Arrangements were made and I closed the office door and dialed the number. So this is now acted out in drama style. Great. N- me. Uh, bonjour. Je m'appelle Paul. Uh, 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 j'habite uh, in Hull. <laughs> this is the limit of my French approach, says PJ. Jean-Pierre, it might have been his name. No, no, it wasn't. Un- un- unintelligible, unintelligible French reply. No idea what he said. Me. Comment ça va? Him. <laughs> Unintelligible French reply. Panic <laughs> rising in my voice. Uh, je voudrais la pêche. <laughs> Him. Long pause. More completely unintelligible French. <laughs> Me. Full fledged panic. Uh, pêche. Pêche le cob, la haddock. Le salmon. Croissant. Piscine. Clearly French for swimming pool. <laughs> by this time, I'd lost the plot. Him at the other end. Unintelligible, exasperated French. Me. Okay, thanks. Bye, au revoir, kind of. 
I hung up. Well, what was I to do? I didn't want to lose my job, but couldn't see another way out apart from filling in the order form with some made-up numbers and hoping for the best. What could go wrong? I completed the paperwork, took the sales manager, uh, told the sales manager all was good, sloped off home for the afternoon, claiming sickness. <laughs> Massive hangover, in other words. The next day, I rolled up and there was a mighty kerfuffle going on. Deliveries had been made to the French client, which bore no resemblance to the order that they'd placed. And they had four times as much fish as to sell as normal. The sales manager quizzed me. I confirmed the conversation had gone well and said the mistake must be at their end. Yeah, yeah, quite right. right. He looked very nonplussed, but bizarrely seemed to believe my story, muttering under his breath about the blooming French, Waterloo, Agincourt, Cressy and Trafalgar. (laughs) Anyway, he he wandered off to try and solve the issues. No more was ever said about the incident. I left the firm shortly afterwards for unrelated issues, says Peter. (laughs) But I seek absolution from the following. Jean-Pierre at the French customer... Uh, place for randomly shouting out water-based French words during a sales conversation. <laughs> also, my bosses at the company in Hull who had to work hard to rebuild the relationship with one of their prestige clients, and most of all, Madame Pompadour, my French teacher at school, <laughs> for not properly listening during my lessons and the appalling state of my conversational French, which arose as a result. Uh, yours, uh, seeking absolution <laughs> as ever, uh, PJ in Leeds. So, uh, let's just check in with... Uh, Producer Susie breaking away from her hatch, serving in the uh, few pints there. What do you what do you make of PJ and Leeds? Well, I think PJ. I, do you know what? I studied American studies, and I also had lots of people who asked me. So what's that then? Um, so I think for that alone, I might I might forgive PJ. But also, I think that um, it made Matt laugh so much he fell off his chair in the middle there. So so do, so, so, so for that reason alone, um, for, forgiven PJ, forgiven. Brother Matthew. Yes, I did. That was the first, was the first of these where I knocked my equipment over because I was laughing. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely going to forgive. I love the fact that he went to his uh, GCSE French with the J'habite Hall, J'ai deux hommes, qu'est-ce que c'est la fage? Um, so, yes, I'm definitely I'm definitely going to forgive. I And I love the fact that the payoff as well, that he says his French teacher was Madame Pompadour. I mean, come on. Uh, so, yeah, yeah definitely forgiven simon mayo's confessions we won't tell anyone what oh sorry sorry i mean we will tell everyone from the crypt pj's tale voulez-vous confesser avec moi ce soir yes and so that is the one where i did i so we were still broadcasting in different places at that point we'd only just returned to the airwaves so were you in your i was in the loft i was in the loft and i i yes it made me laugh so much that i knocked the equipment over that i was broadcasting from on my ever trusty wi-fi that never ever broke down it was the worst (laughs) it is so poor absolutely terrible if you've got a request for a classic confession that you'd like to hear again send it to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk try and include as much detail as you remember and we'll do our best to track it down but please just don't say like we had last week it's the one when I was sitting outside Tesco's no. waiting for my wife to come home. No. That's, no. That isn't good enough. Before we end our service today, Matt has this week's secret code phrase. I'm the leader. And said like this. I'm the leader. I'm in charge. That's, yes, yeah. I'm the leader. <laughs> Everyone bow down. Yeah. Future years when Holly's running the country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember where it started. That's going to be my ringtone. So if you've listened this far, you, what you have to do is tweet X thread me 
uh, with that secret phrase... Yes, I'm, I'm in, the leader. I'm the leader, I'm in charge, in brackets. Don't forget to follow, like and subscribe and keep telling all of your friends and family that Simon Mayo's Confessions podcast is back. Shout it from the rooftops. Finally, if you have a confession, of course, we would love to hear it. Send it to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. If we use it on air, you get a smart speaker. If we allude to it on the podcast, you just get glory. Yeah. That's all. Mm-hmm. Until next time, Sister Holly says... Tot off for now. That's very 1950s. It is. <laughs> Brother Matt says... Bye-bye now. It's very folksy. It was. I liked mm. it. Yeah, Thank you for good. listening. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Want to confess? Simon Mayo would love to hear your story. He may even keep it to himself. He definitely won't keep it to himself. Send gory details, please, to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Listener.